looking at these stories, asking God for a fresh anointing, for a fresh look. And we're going to open up God's Word and let God's Word speak to our hearts and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher for life. So we'll look at stories like Jonah and the whale and Daniel and the lion's den, David and Goliath, so on and so forth. And what I want us to see each week is that these stories are more than just uh, facts. Uh, they are factual. I mean, they, they are, they are, um, these are not just make-believe, once-upon-a-time fairy tales. They are facts. These stories really happen. But not only are they just facts, there is meaning associated with them. There's application for our lives each and every day. Life-transforming power in these stories. And so today, we're going to start by looking at Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. And so I figure about 30 to 40 minutes for each chapter, we should be out around 2 o'clock. Does that sound okay to everybody? <laughs> Just kidding. But we are going to look at these, at these chapters, and we're going to look at the story of Noah, and the flood, and the ark, and there are many, many angles that we could come at this story. We could talk about the, the fact that this story is a picture of salvation. It, there's certainly courage and righteousness uh, riddled throughout the story. Great faith. In fact, uh, Noah made it into the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. This story he talks about obedience and the fear of God. But we're not going to look at those angles. Today, we're going to take a little overview to recap the story, just in case it's unfamiliar, uh, which it's probably not, but we're going to do it anyway. And then we're going to focus at the end of the story. We're going to look at the fact that at the end of the, the, uh, when the ark pulled up and rested and the water receded, uh, Noah decided, even at that point in his life, to honor God. And because he honored God at that moment in his life, there was a promise that was made. And that promise, what we're going to see, is good for us today as we choose to honor God. And, uh, it's, and so I'm excited about that, and I know that God wants to speak to your heart. Just to give you a flash forward, if you want to do some pre-reading for next week, we're going to look at the story of Samson and Delilah, Judges chapter 14 15 and 16. And if you want to read that, uh, I believe that'll be a blessing to you. And so uh, we're going to dive in and look. Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. If you don't know where Genesis is, ask your neighbor. <laughs> it's right in the beginning. Genesis chapter 6. I was thinking maybe we should just read 6, 7, and 8, and 9, but then my wife said no. And she said, just overview. <laughs> Let me back up one verse. If you go to chapter 5, verse 32, I want you to understand that this story comes to us. A man after God's heart, a man that was righteous, we're going to see here in a second, but it didn't start until this man, Noah, was 500 years old. I tried to get my mind around that. Yesterday was my birthday. Some of you knew that. I turned 35 yesterday. Well, that's 14 times longer than I've been alive. And that's the first mention of this guy named Noah. And let me just say, 
That is a challenging thought to think long term. And uh, not that any of us will live to be that long, but how many know our life is not, you know, consisted, it's not consisting of one day or one month or one year? And how many are thankful for that? That God, He has a long term plan for our lives, a long solution. He has plans for us. And, uh, and I just thought that that was pretty incredible. All right, chapter six. Let me just give you some highlights. In, verse chap- in chapter 6, verse 5, we understand that at this point, God had created the heavens and the earth. We, if you read the first chapter uh, 1 through 5 of Genesis, you get the whole history. And then we're at this point, and here in verse number 5, it says this. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. It didn't take long for our sin nature to catch up with us, It basically is what it's saying. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil. And this grieved God in verse 6, we see. And it concerned God to the point that God said, I want to wipe out all mankind and I want to start over. And so in verse 7, he kind of describes the fact that he's going to wipe out all all of mankind, all of what he has created. But then in verse 8, listen to what it says. It says, but Noah. Say that, but Noah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9 talks that Noah was righteous. In verse 13, uh, God starts to lay out the plan to Noah of how he's going to save his family from the great flood. In verse 14, he starts to describe how he wants uh, Noah to build the ark, and he explains detail after detail after detail. And in verse 18, I love this. If you look at it there, it says, but I will establish my covenant with you, God talking to Noah, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. And Noah was spared. There was a covenant made at that moment. And what's great about this story is that Noah was obedient. In fact, in verse 22, it says that Noah did everything just as God commanded him to do. Let me stop there for a second. I'm not sure any of us have ever done everything that God has asked us to do. Noah was an exceptional man. He was above But you know what? It shows us that all of us, within each of us, no matter what circumstances we're in, no matter where we are, we have the opportunity to make the right choice, to follow God. And I believe that God wants us to do that. And and Noah, he did everything that God commanded, and you could put your name in there, that you did everything that God commanded, but it takes a strong relationship with God. And, that's, uh, and we're going to talk about that. Ver- chapter 7 comes. The, uh, in verse 4, God kind of lays out the plan. After one year of building, or not one year, 100 years. And in verse 4, he says, Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe, out, wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And so Noah is getting the, the, the bird's eye view. He gets seven days warning and he starts to gather up all these animals and, and they come on, on the ark. And then after a hundred years, 
again, verse 5, Noah did all that the Lord commanded. But then after all that time, chapter 7, verse 11 says this. It says, in the 600th year, just get that, of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floods of the heavens were opened. If you can imagine this, uh, those that have studied this, there was a firmament, firmament among or above the earth, a cloud that rested. In fact, most people believe the reason they were able to live so long was because of this covering over the earth. And not only was that released and the floodwaters came from the heavens, but every spring and the oceans and every lake started to bubble up from within the earth in the combination, listen to what it says. It says, and the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And we understand that everything was covered. Every last square inch. 40 days, 40 nights it rained. And the result is that everything was destroyed. Everything was wiped out. Now, we've seen on TV recently some floods. And uh, we've, we've, uh, we've seen the effect of a tsunami in a, in a certain area of the world. But this was the entire globe covered in water. Unbelievable what happened in that day. Verse 24 says that the flood... Uh, um, whoop, I'm on the wrong page. Verse 24 of chapter 7 says the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. A long time. And I can't even imagine what it would be like on that ark. And, you, and if you can just put yourself in that, that spot, and uh, just for those, those time, for that time. And what, what was so neat in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and he sent a wind over the earth. This was not a permanent wipeout. It was in God's plan to start over, and he used a family, Noah's family, and he sent a wind over the the waters, and the waters started to recede. And seven months, uh, after seven months, the boat finally rested in the mountains. And then it still took, uh, uh, most people say it took about 14 months for the water to completely to, uh, um, uh, clear the earth. And then listen to what it says in chapter 8, verse 15. And then, it's, and then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives. And they're saying, oh, thank God. <laughs> it says, Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and the creatures, so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. And then verse 18 says, So Noah came out together with his sons and his family and his sons' wives. I want to stop there because at that moment, Noah is about, well, he's over 600 years old. And what would you expect if you were Noah at that moment? You'd been on the ark for 14 months or so with all these stinky animals <laughs> You had sent out the raven and it came back and the doves came back. They did that for seven, every seven days until they brought back a leaf 
And then they said, okay, it's time. God says, okay. They, they lifted the, the ark. They walked out. And Noah started 500 years old, had 100 years to build, 14 months in the ark. And he looks out. And there's no mansion ready for him. No shelter. At this moment in Noah's life, at 600 plus years old, he has to start from scratch. I can just imagine Noah stepping out, looking around, and saying, really? To start all over? I don't know. For me, when I'm faithful in something, when I'm obedient, when I, you know, when I work, I want a paycheck, right? When I, when I do something, I want something to show for it. I expect something for the work that I've done. I deserve something for, what, for my obedience or my faithfulness. That's the way I think. In this story, showing us that if you were Noah, that you could do everything right. He followed the Lord's instructions to a T. One, two, three, a hundred things. And he still has to start over from scratch. You know, when God calls us to do something, how many know it's usually not something easy to accomplish? And the fact is, is that it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what God is doing in all of eternity. In fact, I was thinking about this and that, that there are people that turn away from faith because someone said, if you turn your life to the Lord, you know, you're, everything is going to be smooth. You know, you, you'll never have any problems. If you turn away, if you turn, there are people that have turned away from God because they don't understand this principle, that it's not about them, that God ne almost never calls us to something easy. And, but the question is, is it worth it to follow God? For Noah, 600 plus years old, had to start over. And what does Noah do? And I want to show you what Noah does in chapter 8, verse 20. Incredible. This gripped me as I thought about this story. Verse 20 says, Then, after Noah came out together with all his, uh, his wife and his son and their wives, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, taking some of all the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. It says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma in his heart, and he said, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, see time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Noah comes out of the ark and he honors God, I believe, in two significant ways, kind of together. But the first thing he does is he builds an altar to the Lord. Altars throughout Scripture, riddled through Scripture, are a place to remember God's hand. When the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, they made an altar, 12 stones high. It's a, it was a place to remember of what God had done. But it was also a place to meet God. 
No one knew at that moment in his life. To honor God, he needed to meet with God. And it's a memorial, a place to look back as well. And then the second thing he did, and just imagine with me, it says here that not only did he build an altar, but then he took some of the clean animals and the clean birds, and he sacrificed a burnt offering on it. Now at this point, everything that was on the ark, that's all the animals that there were, except the fish of the sea. Talk about a first fruit type offering. Without the promise of any return, God or Noah honored God. And I want you to picture what that might have been like. If he had a certain amount of cattle, a certain amount of, of things with him, they all come off. And he says, son, we're going to sacrifice a few. We're going we're to kill off to honor God some clean animals and some clean birds. And I can just imagine his family saying, are you sure this is the right time to give? Are you sure that this is the right time to, to, uh, to do this, to sacrifice in this way? But Noah understood he honored God and he sacrificed. And the result, because he was faithful, because he honored God, God gave him a promise that's incredible. In verses 21 and 22, I read it. He said, never again will I curse the ground, even though the hearts are, are evil. Never again will I destroy every living creature. And then in verse 22, and I want to focus here, he says, as long as the earth endures... Until Christ returns for us, I believe this verse is good for us. He said, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. And seed time and harvest is the principle that I want us to focus on. That was the blessing that came from being obedient and from honoring God. And all through Scripture, we see this idea of seed time and harvest, that if you sow, you will reap a harvest. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says to give and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And with the measure that you give, with the measure that you sow, you will reap a harvest. You're familiar with that verse. Most of us are. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 18, it says, If you sow righteousness, you will receive righteousness back. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8, it says, If you sow wrongsciousness, I'm not sure that's a word, it's the opposite of righteousness, you will receive wrongsciousness, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 16, or 9, verse 6 says, If you sow sparingly, if you only give a little, if you only sow a little, you will reap a little. And I want you to turn with me to Galatians. All through Scripture, we see this principle. Galatians chapter 6. And I want us to look at these few verses that are so powerful for us. God's promise for us. I love this. In Galatians 6 verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And it says, again, the seed time and harvest. It could say that word for word, but it says here, a man will reap what he sows. But then it continues. It says, the one who sows 
uh, uh, so as to please his sinful nature, from that nature he will reap dis- destruction. How many have seen that at work in your life or in someone's life near you? Absolutely. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And we've seen that as well. Verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will. doesn't say it might, but it, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Seed time and harvest. God made that promise to Noah as he honored God. And he built an altar to remember God, to meet with God. And then he sacrificed. And I believe because he sacrificed a first fruit at that moment, God made this promise that is good for us today as well. You fast forward to Noah's life, and he did increase, and he did multiply. Now, if you know Noah's life, he didn't live a perfect life after that moment. There were, there were things that did not please God, but overall, God did not forget his promise of seed time and harvest in Noah's life. So how does this story relate to us? How does it relate to you, Noah's life, Noah's example? Does there, uh, are there things in, in Noah's story that may line up? When you consider the cutbacks that, we, that our economy has experienced, especially here in Michigan, have you been through bankruptcy or lost a home? Or maybe you've lost a good job, or maybe your marriage is rough, or, or maybe your kids are out of control, wild, and you're saying, oh God, you know, help. Maybe you've been through a divorce and been remarried. Perhaps you have had to start from scratch. Maybe you've lost everything in your life. Perhaps you're in the land between. So we've talked about this before, that you know you were once here and God has called you to be here and you're somewhere in between. And you may have been faithful in that process, obedient, and you've surrendered to, from here to here. And, and you're saying, God, what, what's happened? Because you feel stalled in your progress. You say, man, I've been obedient, I've, I've surrendered. And the, all the result is, is that I've been hurt and bruised. My life has been full of pain. Maybe you've had to start over. I know that there's many in our midst that that has been the case. Maybe you haven't had to start completely over, but there's been a moment in your life where God has allowed, for whatever reason, for there to be a bump in the road. Something that has thrown you off course, got you out of alignment. What would God call you to do? What is God calling us to do in those moments? And even if you say, well, my life is going okay today, what would God be calling us to do today in light of Noah's story? Well, the first thing that I believe God wants us to do, it needs to continually be aware and evident in our lives, is Noah honored God by building an altar. Now, we don't build altars in our lives. Uh, we don't, you know, look for stones and, and, you know, create a physical altar. 
But can I appeal to us as believers how important the altar of God is in our lives? That God wants us to remember at those moments when we are on our face before Him, spending time with Him. He wants us to remember His hand of protection throughout our lives. He wants us to be able to look back. I know for me, there are times in my lives, in my life, that I can look back to where I was at the altar of God, spending time in His presence where God spoke some specific words in my life. If you've been to summer camp before, if you've been on a missions trip before, those are natural opportunities to spend time, to have an altar sort of experience. But you know, it doesn't take a camp service, or it doesn't take going to the Dominican Republic to meet God. God wants to meet us here this morning. An altar built to remember. And I know for me, I need to continually have those opportunities in my life, a chance to meet God, to talk to God, to listen to God. The second thing I believe that God would call each of us to do, no matter where we are in our lives, is to honor God in sacrifice. Not only to build an altar, but to give. And to give without the promise of receiving anything in return. That's a true gift. To be obedient, to honor God. And many of you heard this many times, that we can give our time, our talent, our treasure, and certainly those things are true. Our time and our talent, I like to put those together, that, that, those, that if we have a talent, it takes time to use that talent for the Lord. And if we have time or we make time, God wants us to use our talent for Him. Amen? That's God, part of God's plan for our lives, is to honor God in that way. But it's not just our time and our talent that God wants. He wants our treasure as well. And you consider Noah, what was his treasure? The only thing he had that was going to sustain him was his livestock. And what does Noah do at that moment as they exit the ark? He gives a first fruit offering. He sacrifices the potential for those animals, the perfect animals, to reproduce. And then there was this promise. You know, for us, I believe that God ha has called us to be givers, to be generous with our treasure. And it's, we're in the middle of the summer, and it's oftentimes you know, easy to think about ourselves, think about our family, where are we going, what kind of uh, needs are, are, you know, are on the table. But could I appeal to our natures to remember Luke 6.38, that with the measure that we give, it will be given back to us? To remember Galatians 6, that says that God will not be mocked with the measure that you give. Uh, a man will re uh, reap what he sows, and if he sows to the, to the Spirit, he will reap eternal life. And God wants us to sow into those areas, to be able to give even when there's not a promise of return. And I believe as we embrace that idea that that is a healthy way 
to live for each of us. Whether you're a student here this morning and you're in the middle of the summer and relaxing from school, which I totally understand, could you carve some time to spend some time to meet with God, to have an altar, and then to give, to give your time, your talent, to maybe serve this week with Love, Inc., or maybe to serve and come and give blood uh, for our blood drive, or to give away a backpack at the end of the, the summer? Would God be putting on your heart to serve in those ways, to use your talents for His glory? And then your treasure, to give some of your treasure away, even in difficult times? Students, I want to appeal to you. These moments in your life, they go quick. I am 35 years old. Yesterday, my wife was sitting out and she says, hey, I see a gray hair. I said, no, I rebuked that and I ripped it out. I said, I'm going to shave my head again. I'm going to just start shaving it completely bald. Time goes by. If you're here, you're single and you're saying, hey, you know, how can I give? How can I honor God? It's, uh, you honor God by spending time with him creating an altar, and then to give, to sacrifice. If you're a parent or a grandparent, don't forget your days when you spent time at the altar. And it may have been a long time, and maybe God would be calling you even this morning to carve out some time to spend some time with Him. When I read through this story and I knew that God was leading me in this direction, it reminded me of something I'd heard some time ago about the nature of God. That we live right here on the lakeshore, Lake Michigan. It's beautiful. And as the waves recede, as they leave, what happens next? They come back in, right? And if for each of us, as we give, as we give away, I believe that this seed time and harvest principle is so true that whatever we give, it'll come back to us. Your time, your talent, your ability, even your treasure, as we spend time with God at an altar, listening to His voice, remembering His grace, His mercy through difficult seasons. Now this morning, there are some of you here, I know, uh, I, some of you, I know your stories. And Melissa, you can come. Uh, you are at a moment where you are starting from scratch or you feel like you are at least in some respects. And I just want to encourage you to honor God with your life. This is not a time to retreat. This is not a time to, to take a break, so to speak. This is a time to plug in and say, God, I want to honor you with my life. And we honor God by spending time with him in his presence, letting the Holy Spirit wash over us. In the same way, there is time and talent and treasure that I believe that God would call us to give. And I want to challenge us as a body not only this week, of course, this week we want you to come out and serve and to be a part of that. It's going to be wonderful. Um, that, that's wonderful. But as a principle in your life, 
that you would understand this seed time and harvest promise that God has given to us. God wants to bless your life. God wanted to bless Noah's life. And at that moment when he stepped off that boat, if you can imagine, like I have, him just saying, really, to start over at 600 years old? And you may be here and saying, really? Do I really have to start over (laughs) with my marriage? Do I have to start over with my kids? Or do I have to start over with my ministry? Do I have to start over with uh, you fill in the blank? And God would say, you know, I know the plans I have. And trust me, spend time with me, and I'll make those ways clear. He wants to do it. He wants to make it crystal clear in each of our lives that there is no doubt, there's no worry, there's great peace. And that comes in his presence at his feet. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. No one looking around. Just to be respectful of those around us. I'm wondering how many in this moment would respond and understand that where you are today, that you're away from the Lord and you need to reestablish that relationship with God. It's not that he's left, but maybe you've drifted. And if you're here today, if you're interested in surrendering your life to the Lord, let me just say, don't wait another minute. (laughs) Surrender. Say yes to Jesus. If you're here this morning and that's you, I'm going to ask that you just slip up your hand right where you are and say, yep, pray for me, Pastor, that God would save me. God would work in my life. Yeah, okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? In a moment of honesty, saying, God, I need you in my life at this moment. Maybe I've drifted. Maybe I've fallen fallen away. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah, thanks. If you young people are responding, just so you know, which is wonderful. Anyone else saying, yeah, that's me. We understand that we it's difficult to fall away from God's hand. We understand that. So if you're feeling led to reestablish that relationship in your life, yeah, yeah, thanks. Amen. Hallelujah. Church, God is moving in uh, some young people's lives, which is very exciting. Want to give them opportunity here in a moment to respond with the rest of us. As your eyes are continue to be closed, you consider your life, consider where you are. Perhaps you're starting over in your life. Perhaps you're starting from scratch. Perhaps you're in the land between. Let me just say the land between is fertile ground for God to be working and moving in your life. Perhaps you've been obedient like Noah. You followed his way. You've surrendered, but you've been hurt and bruised. There's been great pain in the process. This morning, if you're here and you're sensing in your life today that 
there's a need for an altar to be built in your life, I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. Saying, yeah, I want to remember where God's provision in my life, yeah. But then I also want to be in God's presence. Spending time with Him, yeah. Who else, yeah. Lots and lots of hands. Saying, that's me, yeah. Young and old alike. And as we do that, could we ask the Lord what he would require of us? The Lord has been very specific to me uh, in an area of my life where I need sacrifice. I need to sacrifice again. I need to give. And, uh, and that has challenged me. I'm saying, God, are you sure? And I believe that the Lord will speak to us as we spend time with him in his presence as well. And we consider, what could we give of our time, our talent, our treasure? God, in this season, what could we give away knowing that your promise of seed time and harvest is good, that, 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 that even though the wave dissipates and goes back to the sea, the next one comes in. And Lord, I just pray right now for our people, Lord, for our church, Lord, that we would be a church found in your altars, on our knees, spending time with you, listening. And Lord, that when you prompt us to give, to sacrifice, Lord, that we would be obedient, trusting in you. So this morning, Church, I'm going to ask those that raised your hand for any of those things, I'm going to ask that you would move first and that you would stand and that you would come and find a spot. We've got time this morning. It's the summer. What do you you have to run off to? But that you would come and spend some time. And those that maybe didn't respond but wanted to respond, I'm going to ask that you would come as well or find a spot. Turn around in your seat. Before you leave this place, Spend some time in God's presence and asking him what he would require of you. And I believe that if we are obedient, if we are faithful, that God will allow this principle, this promise of seed time and harvest to be true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Melissa, why don't you lead us in a song?